Hi, I'm Alan Sentier, the Heartful Badass Coach. Being badass is about being the real you, being strong, feisty, confident, knowing your own truth and walking it, feeling the fear and doing it anyway, with a heart full of joy and boundaries that really work. I learned how to be the real me through telling and writing stories, and now I'm a best-selling author as well as a badass psychotherapist and coach. I tell stories a lot in podcasts and blogs and in the coaching programs I do. Being authentic, living your own story, that's being the real badass you. And being real badass is being full of heart, caring. Because we've lived through all that shit, haven't we? So we know it in our bones and we really do truly feel compassion. So come on. Let's do some badassery. Let's change ourselves and watch the whole world change around us. Let's make our lives, our businesses and our hearts sing. Well, hello everybody. It's the Three Witches back again. I'm going to start with that because we were just chatting about what should we talk about and it felt a little bit like Macbeth and you know we three gathered here again what are we going to talk about you know and uh, no it's not going to be eyes of newt or anything like that I don't think bubble bubble bubble, toil in trouble your turn Lottie (laughs) (laughs) oh yeah the the mad the magic in the business yeah, uh, it is a great topic because I think we all, we all, we all do magic. I think everybody uses magic, and it depends how you define the word magic. And we talked a little bit about that. Um, and like you said, it doesn't have to be Harry Potter. <laughs> but <laughs> when we when we're using magic in business, magic can be many different things. Uh, things that come to us can seem magical all of a sudden we have um we get intuition that we should go in this direction it could be i'm you know i'm picking up this product because intuitively i feel this is really going to be a game changer for my business or i'm going to start working in a different way and the all these things are are magical experiences because we can't really explain why or how uh, we go about doing certain things and and why we follow the intuition sometimes and not other times. Mm-hmm. And I would say it's, you know, we're all filled with magic. It's just a matter of tuning into that as beings. And it always comes down to, you know, letting, don't let that mind interfere so much with, with logical reasoning, but follow, follow your passion and your, and, and your heart. And that's what really brings the magic, I think. Yeah, I I agree with you. What about how do you feel, Kim? I feel like magic equals a lot of things. So magic equals manifestation. Magic equals intuition. Magic equals sparks. And you know, it's it's all like an equation, which I'm really bad at the maths, as you would say in the UK. Uh, not bad at it, but it's not something that intrigues me or I enjoy or I was never very good at, but it's like that A plus B equals C. And I feel like if you have all of those things, you're going to just 
combust into magic if you're listening to your intuition and you had mentioned something about yoga maybe being magic well it is it's moving your body it's listening to your body it's following your intuition as lottie says so much of that is magic and i believe it's very challenging for mm. some of us and us as well even though we know these things sometimes it's hard to trust that intuition and believe that that is the magic we are seeking and i think it is a practice as you said we have to practice and sometimes you may get it wrong because you really aren't listening to your heart you're listening to your mind sometimes and instead of you know you know that you should shouldn't eat this certain thing it's good for you that's a very simplistic way of saying it but your ego says oh it's okay just gonna do that go ahead go ahead when in reality should you have chosen another food or something you might feel better you might and that's just a very simple way of of testing your body in a sense. And I think we get so stuck in ruts in terms of business. Well, I must do it this way because that's the way someone else has done it instead of listening to the magic inside to create whatever it is we know that we should create or that is going to have the most impact on someone. So it all comes back to listening inside. It does indeed. I, I so agree with you both. Uh, not surprising that really, but there you go. But I do. And for me, we're all trained and taught and in school. It's like you've got to think everything through. You've got to have you worked this out? You know, have you thought about that? All of those sort of phrases that come up. And so our minds really get pushed. And if you sort of talk about your intuition, maybe at school or in a business meeting, somebody will sort of say, really? You know, I mean, you know, surely that's just imagination. Or if they're feeling really rude, it's really woo-woo or something like that. And um, and it isn't. And the other end of it, because we've talked about intuition, but the other side of intuition um, that has always been for me is your instincts. And your instincts get so ridiculed. Oh, they're just animal things. Um, you know, we don't have them. We're posh humans or something. And, um, and gradually nowadays, that differential, which perhaps everyone's assumed for a long time, that animals are somehow lesser than us and plants are somehow lesser than us, is, is getting less. And so perhaps we're getting towards our gut feelings and you know when we follow those that really works too and you can't explain it can you it's like your intuition I just, I just know you know I've got I know in my guts that we shouldn't be here or I know in my guts we really should be here or whatever and so it's why you know why Ellen and you sort of go I don't know I just know we've got to go I think it would be beneficial for our listeners and I'm sure you all have ways, and I can think of some, to help them. They might be saying, well, that's all well and good. You all know you can trust your intuition. We don't always know. I'm just going to put that out there. At least I don't always know. But perhaps we should give people a trick or a tip. Or it's easy. It's easier sometimes for me, I know, to give advice or to give suggestions sometimes than to take my own. <laughs> 
But if we give people, because if I were listening, I'd want to go, okay, that's all great, but how? How do I do that? What do I do? How do I tap in? And I think that each of you, and I'll come up with something, might have something to offer them, which would assist our lovely listeners, watchers, viewers, sparklers. I would, I would say it's, it's training. Part of it is just training. So when I went to med school, when I was 54, and I'm sitting, you know, the first things that the teachers told us is we're going to take so many tests. I mean, we had, you know, several tests a week. It was just insane, the amount of testing, and you have to pass them all the time. But they said, always go with your first instinct. When you're looking at those multiple choice questions and you have to, you know, there isn't much time to think. You read the question, you look at the answer, that one, next question, because you have to move so quickly. But that was the best advice that I think I received because that first intuition, and we have to take all those board exams, you know, they're hours long and there isn't really any time to go back. You have to make a decision and move on or you're not going to finish. So when you see, you know, the question and then instinctively, you might say, not that one, not that one. It's either this one or that one. But that instinct that comes to you, the first instinct, it's that one. It's it's B. You check it off. And I would say nine out of 10 times, that is the answer. But the interesting part is, so then I graduated from med school and I studied mediumship in England at Arthur Findlay College. And what did I learn there? That that first message, the first image, the first thing I hear, the first thing I feel is always the correct message. As soon as I let the brain come in, if I'm working as a medium or if I'm taking a test, as soon as my brain starts saying, oh, I don't know, does that really make sense? Mm -hmm. I mean, the spirit is showing you dolphins or pineapples and we were talking about something else. And all of a sudden you feel, this sounds really crazy, right? And you're afraid of, of even saying it in the beginning. But then you learn that those things that came first, that your mind thought was absolutely crazy are always the correct answer is always the correct thing but it's the same thing with test taking and it's the same thing with my life so that gut instinct that first thought no it's this don't let my mind come in and stir this up now like go away mind i know this is the right thing but it's so difficult in the beginning to to trust it and I would say that is just training, training ourselves to say, no, that was my first thing that came to me. I'm going to stick with that. And it's the same when I work as a medical medium. It's that first message. I'll have somebody on the screen and they're talking about, you know, their headaches or their digestive issues or whatever. And I say, well, you know, as soon as you came on the screen, Spirit World told me this and I'm going to stick with that. So forget your headaches and your digestive issues. Because the spirit world's talking about this thing. Do you have these symptoms? And they're, yes. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I, I was diagnosed with that you know, 20 years ago. And I said, that is still your problem. Because that's what the spirit world told me. But it's always the first thing. It's always the first message. So I would say it's just training, training ourselves to really, to listen to our own intuitive messages and just let that brain, leave the brain behind, leave it on, I always said, tell people, leave it on top of your fridge, just yeah. take the brain out, and <laughs> put it somewhere else and just tune into your own feelings and your own heart. Yeah, yeah. I'd agree with you, Lottie, and I, I've got 
um, a lovely story um, to come in with that. It is about this first instinct thing. And I wasn't taught it in med school or anything like that, but I was taught it um, later when I was in the psychotherapy and doing psychotherapy training. It's like, go with the first thing that you feel, the first thing that your guts tell you. Um, And like you were saying, Lottie, it may not be what the person has come presenting. So it's like steer that way. But the story, um, and this was uh, in mediumship training as well. And we were in a quite a large class, quite a large group. And so in the afternoon, we were paired off and we had to work with each other and see what came up for each other. So I was working with this lovely woman and um, she did some really good stuff for me. And then it was my go. And I've always been able to see, but I was only getting one image with this woman. And it was a bit daft. So I was like going, really? Really? You know, inside. Because the image was this enormous, enormous potato. I was seeing a potato this big, a big sort of, you know, hairy brown job with a few stalks coming out of it. And I was sitting there going, how do you say to this woman I'm just seeing a potato? Um, You know, and A, I'm going to feel off my trolley, and B, she's going to think I'm insulting her or something because we haven't met before the class or anything like that. And some of us weren't going, and what I call, uh, what you call spirit, I often call other world. And uh, my my guides there were sort of going, go on, go on, push, go on. You've got to say this, go on, like this. And I was thinking, so eventually I plucked up courage and I said, I'm terribly sorry, this might sound really ridiculous, but all I'm getting is this image of a potato. The woman burst into tears. So I was there doing all the, like, pass the tissues, encourage her to keep crying and don't tell her to stop or anything like that. And, you know, putting my arm around her when she showed that she wanted a hug. And so after about five minutes, and it was really tough crying, um, it was like, can you talk about it? Can you tell me about this at all? You know, are you feeling a little better? (laughs) You know, how you feel when you're like that so she told me and it was a story that she had never told anybody in her whole life before she used to live over on the east side of britain which is a very flat lots of big farming stuff and one of the things they grow there is masses and masses of potatoes both for eating and seed potatoes for growing and so and she lived in a cottage down a lane and in those days we all used to walk to school and she'd walk up the path and sometimes she'd take a shortcut across the field and get to the village a bit quicker and this evening it was a bit cold and dark and that but you know getting dark but not very and so she's like now I'm gonna get across the field instead so she got a little way into the field and these um, young lads came along and they wanted to rape her and 
She said they didn't actually rape her, but they knocked her on the ground and knocked her about a bit and that sort of thing. And she got away and went home. And this is going back to the 1960s. So for this woman. So, you know, you didn't tell your mum anything like that. And you tidied your clothes up and you said, oh, I'm sorry, I fell over in the field and all this sort of thing. And she had lived with that. She was a girl, what, 12, 13 at the time when this happened. She had lived with that all her life. And me saying, I'm sorry, all I saw was a potato, brought it out. And, you know, who would expect that? And yet it was exactly the right thing. And that was... And you helped her release trauma from that. Yes, just releasing it the once. I mean, I didn't have a chance to work with her again, but um, I did catch up later and find that she had gone to somebody and was getting help through it. And a lot of stuff was being released and she was getting over all the shame and the anger and everything that you feel when anything like that happens to her. So it's like, goodness sake, try and trust your instincts. I mean, that's a bit, it's quite a dramatic story, but it's never left me because it just, like you, Lottie, it convinced me. And I think we have to, as you said, train ourselves to learn to do that. And part of that, the problem with that, is taking the risk of being wrong. And that's huge for all of us, including me still. And the risk of being wrong is so difficult, but you sort of have to jump off that cliff and sort of say, I'm going to do this and see what happens. Right. Yeah. And I think that's a beautiful story. Yeah, it really is. Of the magic, the magic of play. Exactly. And you were willing. And I think that for people who are not in the mediumship world or who are like, well, that's not me, you know, blah, blah. They could take a journal and do a little test and write down when just write down your intuition. I don't exactly know this is just coming to me how or why or what, but if you get a hit about something, write it down and then move on. See if that is actually what happens. And what came to me as we were speaking about this is Mel Robbins. She's an inspirational speaker, and she's written a book called The Five Second Rule. And I heard her speak at a conference once. And when you get an idea, if you don't act on it within five seconds, it's gone. Someone else is going to grab. She doesn't say this part, but I say this part. Someone else is going to grab onto that idea, which is out in the universe Mm -hmm. and take hold of it and use it and run with it. Because how many times do we say, at least in my world of podcasting, oh, I would really like to interview that person. Mm, They're not going to want me to interview them They're, You know, instead of just sending a quick email or a DM or something, would you like to? And sometimes it pans out and sometimes it doesn't. That's a very simple example. But if you get an intuitive hit, act on it in five seconds or write it down so you don't forget or else it's gone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'd run with that one and I I don't keep a diary anymore. But for, oh, probably at least 
two two thirds of my life, I did, and I sometimes I've got them still, and I go back over them. And at the time, it might be sort of six weeks later after you wrote something, and you go, "Oh, I knew that," you know, back in May, and now it's just coming to pass. And it's like training, as you said, Lottie. It's it's training and having your own system of journaling is great. Um, actually, jumping. What other systems can we think of that people would might really be able to use? Well, when you're talking, a, a story came comes to mind, and how it started for me, and how I I learned to to listen because more things around us has meaning. And I feel like the spirit world is always tapping us on our shoulder saying, Oh no, look over here. And uh, back in 2017, and I had just gone to Arthur Finley college for the first time. I was, you know, my first year out of med school I had only been licensed about six months. And I went to Arthur Finley the first time. And then I'm at Arthur Finley college the first time and I'm in the little bookstore and I wanted a book for the flight home and I wanted it to be on mediumship. So I looked through the entire bookstore, not one book speaks to me. So I kept going back three days. Now it's an hour before I'm leaving. I'm already packed up. My suitcase is in the lobby, back in the bookstore. Why can't I find a book? The only books that spoke to me, one was and I kept laughing. It looks like a children's book. It has animals on the cover. And the other book was about shamanism. And I said, I really wanted a book on mediumship, but it's too late. I have to leave. So I'm just going to get these books because they're the only ones for three days that have popped out to me. So I get the books. I don't know anything about shamanism, spirit animals, you name it. I'm completely new in the field. Though then, of course, I realized that it's always been there, but I just didn't know <laughs> that it was always there. So then I get home and I'm looking, you know, reading about the spirit animals and wow, all you see an animal and it's sort of bringing you a message. And I started noticing that every day I came home from work because I lived up in the two hours north of Phoenix, up in the mountains at, you know, five, six thousand feet. So lots of wild animals. And I would come home same deer on my driveway every day. So then I said, well, let me look it up in the book. So that I got the book out that I had gotten about the spirit animals. And sure enough, there was the message about the deer that I so needed to hear at that point in my life. And then I started noticing, wait, there's a skunk. Oh, there's a raven. Oh, there's a squirrel. There's a javelina. And all these animals, I started noticing them instead of just saying, oh, look what a pretty bird or oh look what a pretty deer let me you know people nowadays get the camera post it on Facebook I saw this and that's all just to drive our own egos right but I instead I started noticing that nature was really bringing me messages and the animals were right there why is this bird outside my kitchen window every morning I don't even have a bird feeder why does he always land so I can see him so I started looking up all the animals and of course they were all bringing me messages that I so needed to hear at that time. And then I went to uh to walk my dog and I found a feather. And I had already been living up there for for a year. I had not found a feather since I was a child. That was a swan feather. <laughs> like for years. I mean it's been like 50 years. And so I find this feather. And it's a black feather. 
And I was like, wow, look at this huge, beautiful feather. So I, I take it home and I now I'm looking up the meaning, you know, what kind of feather is this? Then I realized it was a raven bird. Then I looked up the meaning of finding a raven feather. Oh, you're in this transformation right now. And I had just gone to Arthur Finley College. I was my doors were opening up to the spirit world. And then I went a couple of days later in a different area with my puppy. And I said, okay, spirit world. If that was really a message to me, then let me find another feather. Now, remind, I'm reminding you, this is the first feather I've found in 50 years. <laughs> so, do I find another feather? As soon as I look down towards the bushes, another black feather. So I said, okay, twice, two times could still be a coincidence because I'm so scientific. <laughs> I go a couple of days later, I go to a different area and I say, all right, spirit world. If that was really a message for me, then let me find another feather. <laughs> I look down, I find another feather. Now I have three feathers. One more time. Okay, that was three times. One more time. A couple of days later, I do it again. I have four feathers. I still have the feathers. And that is just, I mean, it's just astounding. First of all, I found four feathers. I don't know why all of a sudden, those days at that time, I needed to hear those messages. Yes, you're going through a transformation. Yes, it's true that you can communicate with the spirit world. You are moving in that spiritual direction and all the training you had for the past 20 years and listening to the spirit world for my own messages. But it's different now because now I'm opening up my doors to help other people with the messages so I can be of service and help humanity as a whole to help them help other people heal. It's not just about my journey anymore. It's about other people's journey. But it's my when I told my daughter the story, I mean she was laughing so hard, mom, how many, how many times do does do they have to prove it to you? You already know that you can communicate. You already know about the spirit world. But it's that scientific part of me and my mind coming in saying, okay, prove it to me, prove it to me. But the truth is, I could just have taken that first feather, said, looked it up and said, oh, what a wonderful message. Thank you, spirit world. You don't need another three confirmations on that. So that's my that's my message to the listeners today. Just go with that first message, look up the meaning, trust it and move on. You don't need all the confirmations. So it's just a matter of, of you know, tuning into ourselves and just trusting it within our, in ourselves. That was the message for me. I get it. It resonates with me. And now I'm going to take that and move on. Mm, yeah. If that's not magic, I don't know what is. <laughs> and you hear that all the time, that spirit is willing to answer when you ask a question. Mm. And for those who don't believe, try it, but be open. Be open to the magic and the possibilities and keep your eyes, ears, senses open and alert to those because they're there to assist yeah. in all ways and in whatever your business is because we started talking about this about magic in your business now i we're not talking about probably sitting in an office and typing on a computer kind of business because most people who are listening to this are soul-centered probably entrepreneurs or people who work in some sort of industry or arena where they are helping others that's just my sense mm -hmm. But yeah, I, was beautiful, I, Lottie. It was absolutely amazing, and um, I'm 
part of me sort of goes, wow, they were really treating you. They gave you four feathers. Usually, you, you know, you'll get three and then they'll get, come on, you're pulling my leg. <laughs> so I think that's I knew I was stubborn. I needed I needed the confirmations to, you know, to move yeah. on and to truly trust, to truly trust in it. Yeah. Well, what's that joke about? There's a few of those jokes about a guy who's uh, in a flood or something, and he says, "God, God, get me out of this!" And a rowboat goes by, and he sees it, and he's like, "God, God, get me out of it!" And then a helicopter. I don't recall the joke. I'm not very good at remembering jokes, but it's all about God had been sending him. And then he gets to heaven. He says, "God, why didn't you help me?" He said, "Okay, I sent you the rowboat. I sent you the helicopter. I sent you the this, the that." because he didn't listen, his eyes weren't open. I guess that's why that came to me because we have to be aware, we have to be observant in order to accept magic, bring it into our lives. You have to be aware, you have to believe. Why not believe? I mean, I believe in unicorns, so yeah, there you go. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. And I, I quite agree with you, but I would take it a bit further because my own business is taking me into helping um, solopreneurs and entrepreneurs use magic and they haven't done mm. it before and they are not in the same sort of industries maybe as as one normally thinks I mean um, fantastic client that I've got at the moment and he's a marketer and he teaches people AI and he works um, to help people learn how to really use LinkedIn now that is great help and, um, you know, I, he really does brilliant work at it. But he found me and he says, you know, we started chatting. He says, how do you do that? You know, how is it you know? Which is exactly what we were just talking about. And so I said, well, you know, <laughs> come on a call with me and we can talk about it and see. And so he did. And he was really hooked. And now he's... A client of mine and I'm teaching him to use magic to use his instincts to ask I mean he now asks um you know he's got a set of people to call get get on dms and then maybe make a call with to help them see if they want it and he actually uses as a form of dowsing called sticky and so he's got his what happens is you've got a list of something and you just pass your finger down it and then your finger will stick at one and that will be it. And then you go down it first, your finger will stick at another one. And he's actually using that to prioritize his calls. That's and that's working. I, yeah, I love that. Um, it reminds me of, I think it was the first time I went to Arthur Findlay College back in 2017. And the first two days we worked more um, like physically with people or psychically with people. And then the third day she said, okay, now you guys are ready to talk to the spirit world. So we did a lot of things uh, reading each other to learn um, to tune in. Yeah. And one of the things we had to do was we had to use our hand and we had to go down. So you, you made them. Um, um, yeah, like 12 months in front of the person to get their birth date, the date and the month of their birthday. And so let's say 12 is up here. Mm -hmm. And then you would move your hand down and you would see in your mind, you have 12, 11, 10, 9, 8, and it goes down. Oh, 
I feel it. And it's stuck here on six. Okay. Now I'm going to do the date. So I'm going to say you were born in June and then you've moved your hand. You had 31 days starting with one on the left and then moving your hand across and then say, Oh, I feel resistance right here at 13. So I'm going to say it's your birthday is June 13th. And it was amazing how close we all got to the actual birth date of that person. It is as if, you know, that we can feel that energy. So when you talk about him saying going down the list, I would say absolutely, because everything is energy and it's just a matter of us learning the magic of using it in yes. different ways. Yes. Mm -hmm. And oh, being so afraid of what Lottie was talking about is a form of dousing then. Yes. I yeah, yeah, yeah. What about a pendulum? I use a pendulum a lot. I feel like that's something easy for beginners. Yes. You know, because yeah. you can actually see it going back and forth, yes and no. Yeah. And those are just tools to help us access our intuition. And I do believe at some point we can do it on our own. I still rely on my pendulum for some things. And it's not always, I don't want to say correct, but it changes things. You know, sometimes I'll follow what I, my intuition told me and I'll be like, oh, that was the wrong flight to book. Now I have to change it, that kind of thing. Yeah. 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 And I think that's great too. The, the pendulum, I use the pendulum a lot. Uh, and it's something that a lot of people can learn to do. And it's just, you know, holding the pendulum still. And then typically I say, uh, give me a yes. Yeah. And the pendulum moves in a circle. And then I say to the pendulum, come to a still point. Mm -hmm. And then I say to the pendulum, give me a no. And it goes sideways back and forth. Mm -hmm. And then I ask the pendulum again to come to a still point. And then I'll ask my question. Yeah. Um, is this person allergic to bananas or am I allergic to bananas? Yeah. And then have the pendulum give me the answer. So it is an easy way for people to, to learn to use a tool like that and to start working with that intuitive sense. That's yeah. You usually teach it. Start with the pendulum because it's easy. You've got it in your pocket or you can have, and it's easy to teach somebody, you know, to find the yes and then find the no um whatever it is and they can choose that i mean that that's part of the training and then they get it and that's how i started this bloke and um yeah and then he got like what was this sticky you were talking about okay right we'll do it <laughs> i like that that's cool you know i first about using a pendulum i mean years and years and years ago before it was even like you know, thing, but you just take a string and put a paper clip on it to start. And then you say, is you say your name mm -hmm. and then it, it will go, if it's your right name, then the, then you change something in your name and say, is my name really, you know, Lottie Selby? And it'll go, <laughs> no, no, no. And that's how I just, I don't even ask it yes or no anymore. I just know that one way is yes. And one way is absolutely no, but, but I think anybody there, we just gave somebody a hint on how to do magic and yes, be magic. And you can actually do it yourself and it'll take practice because you're actually rewiring your body and your brain as well by bringing in your instincts and your intuition because your brain is there sort of going and um but your instincts and your intuition are saying go on don't get it yeah i'll get it for you You know we'll get together and so you it's again it's this hurdle you have to get over which is only in your mind you can do it. 
I mean, the number of people I've talked to DAOs in past 40, 50 years is enormous. And they all get it within the first lesson. Um, um, one of the funniest is if I've got a group, um, you know, we can get those tea bags on a string. Very often they're herbal tea bags and they're on a string with a label with a flavor. So I said, anybody got a pendulum? Oh, never mind. And I'll just take my tea bag out, squeeze it, <laughs> and here we go. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, everybody's <laughs> like, <laughs> you should go yeah it works you know um it's sort of like your paperclip idea that's all you need isn't it it's a weight yeah right yeah we're gonna magic is everywhere the plants that i have in my house everything is magic just like everything is energy indeed and to me what's the difference you know magic energy different word but are we not talking the same thing? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, what worries have we magicked ourselves out? <laughs> I've just got this wonderful cartoon in my brain, though, of now there'll be all these office people with their herbal teas. And, you know, in the tea break, it was... <laughs> trying their pendulums out. <laughs> I love it, and I hope that is true. Oh, I hope, I hope that so. happens. That would be really, really good. But, lots, um, sorry, Kim, how do you bring magic into your podcasting work? Because I know you do, because I've podcasted with you. So tell us about it. I think, first of all, in a very practical sense, I bring magic in by researching the people that I am interviewing. And magic can be practical, you know, practical magic. It can be something as simple. You can't just say, okay, well, I'm just going to magic myself this podcast and it's going to be fabulous. I mean, you have to create the magic. You have to do your research. But the magic part of it comes in the connection when I look into the other person's eyes, whether they're looking at me or not in the eyes, because, you know, with Zoom, it's a little funky doodle. But with most of my guests, I ask them to close their eyes before we begin, take a deep breath and picture, I say, I ask the universe to help me release my ego so that I am all about the people for whom I am podcasting. And I may have been different when I interviewed you all because it changes every time. But I this is very much a ritual now that I've developed. And I see my heart spark like this golden little filament going to their heart. So we are connected via this golden spark filament and then we take another deep breath and I say, and so it is, or namaste. And the atmosphere in my space changes and I feel the energy in their space change. And that's how I create magic. I also do not prepare questions. Mm. I use my intuition and listening. Magic sometimes to me occurs when you are truly listening so that you can reflect back on what someone else is saying, at least in my podcast arena. But you know, in the life, people want to be heard. 
So if you are listening, that is magic. That is a sense of magic. So that is how I try to bring magic into my podcast by truly connecting with another human, by truly listening, because it's all about me shining a light on those people whom I am interviewing because people such as yourselves are awakening the light in others. So I'm that spotlight on you so that you can share how you illuminate the lives of others. And that's how I work with magic in my podcast. But I couldn't have told you that until you asked me that question. It's not something I think about. It's just something innately that I do. But thank you for that. That was really interesting. Well, I yeah. thought that was beautiful. Thank you. And, you know, did you, Lossie? Yeah, no, I love it because it's, I mean, you really touched upon um, some different things. The importance of listening listening to the person you're interviewing, uh, tuning into that. And I mean, there are times, you know, sometimes the, the person you're interviewing is talking for a long time and I have, you know, I'm thinking of all these different things I want to ask them. So I have to take little notes as they're talking uh, because the questions are just coming. But I would say, you know, it's, it's tuning into that intuition and just trusting it, um, trusting that whatever needs to be said during that interview, the messages that needs to go out to the people listening will come. But it's just a matter for us to just relax and tune into that. And there will be people out there that are listening that says, wow, that was exactly what I needed to hear today. And it wasn't planned at all. It's just guided spiritually. Uh, you know, through our intuition, through our uh, global consciousness of tuning into each other, because we're all just one consciousness in the end. Yeah. All the information is already there. It's just a matter of letting it come out and letting it be heard. Yeah. Now, your your people that you get are pretty remarkable. I mean, I am a devotee of your podcast, Lottie. <laughs> and I. I, I lost my train of thought because I was so involved in what you were saying. Oh, I know what I was going to say. Sometimes when I go back and listen as I'm editing, I'm like, oh, wow, that came out? I don't remember. It's interesting because when you are in the moment, I always think, oh, was that any good? Did I really? I don't know. And then I listen to it. I'm like, oh, yeah, good point. Okay, that was really good. So it is being in the moment. That's interesting. That just came to me. Being in the moment is magic. Yeah, it is. Yeah. And I was just thinking about we, we were talking about tips for the listeners and, you know, because our listeners will want some tips. And what you both just said made me think, you know, how, how you, particularly how you work in the podcast, Kim, and, you know, how you work with clients, Lothie. But I'm thinking you've got this team leader in corporate, and we've all been in corporate, so we know what that feels like. And if the team leader will actually tune in and if you can train them, and this is part of what I've started to do now, to train them, you use this spark and this spark takes a link to the other person. And I've done this for years in groups. I'm now trying to train team leaders that you can put a spark out to all of your team and they will connect. And then if you listen to them, and really hear them and show them that you've heard them. Like you said, both of you, that is magic. Mm -hmm. And the difference that your team will feel. 
and the difference to their work is just huge. And it's just connecting and listening. Yeah, yeah it, I, I think it's just being, you know, it comes back to being in the present moment because we're so busy. Our mind has a tendency to either rehash the past, like we're stuck in this loop of hashing things through our mind. I can't believe this person said this or did that and blah, 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 blah. Right. And we're just stuck in that little rut or we're thinking about the future. Oh, I don't know if I do this, is it going to go well? And I don't know if that's the right decision. And what if I do this and that person says that, and we're living in the future instead of getting rid of the past and the future and trying to just be be present yeah. or practicing yeah. being present, being present in the moment for the person you're interacting with, not being on the phone, not looking at your computer, but looking at the person because we are in the end human spiritual creatures yes. and we need that interaction and we need the interaction of looking at people's eyes, seeing their facial expressions and all that in order to to make our own nervous system work because we co-regulate with everybody around us, right? So our my nervous system is tuning into you and tuning into Kim right now. And we're all co-regulating with each other. But that is so important when you're working with people or interviewing people that you can tune into that because we're really connecting yeah. on a much deeper level than we think we are because we're really tuning our nervous systems to each other. Yeah, Ellen, I love that you're working with the corporate world for this because how i haven't done very much yet but this is where i'd like to go <laughs> if you sat down in a meeting and everybody closed their eyes can you imagine yeah. sitting around a circle of 10 or 12 people everybody okay your boss says all right we're just going to take a minute close your eyes what the dynamic of that group would change and everybody would be present and interconnected, as you said, Lottie, because their nervous systems would be regulated and calmer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I have actually done that um, many, many, many years ago when I used to work in the MOD and I used to have to chair meetings and lead meetings and that sort of thing. And I have managed to get people to just, well, let's all just take a moment. And you can feel the energy sort of up here with everybody's got their point to make and their thing to score and their money to get and whatever it is. And you can just feel the energy comes down. And you actually get some sense out of the meeting instead of, which can happen, you know, you get them all fighting with each other. And it really needs a lot of people to do that. So all you people out there who are doing this and are listening to us, Take a moment. Just take a moment. Does that wind us up? I think that sort of brings us to a lovely point. <laughs> Thank you, everybody, for listening, because we really appreciate it. And it'll go out on all of our different networks and podcasts at different times. My version of it might well go out quite soon. And then you'll have Kim's and Lossie's. So it'll keep coming around and on different networks. So tune in and take a moment. Spread the magic. Ignite your sparks. Stay true to your heart and stay true to your path. See you next time. Oh, hey, I hope you enjoyed that. 
Hope it pulled out some new ideas and new ways of looking at life, the universe and everything. And I'd love to know your comments, so do send them to me. Doing and being badassery is fun. It makes your heart sing. And that helps everyone. And it helps you put the soul back in your life and in your business. Business, when it's really working, is fun, full of badass reality and makes your heart sing. So let's stick all those rubbish old work ideas of toil and drudgery in the compost caddy. Let's recycle them into something fun and useful. That's what badassery is about, having fun and being useful. If you'd like more, get on my website, www.ellensentier.com. Sign up for my newsletters and check out my lives and vlogs. Let's get to know each other. Let's get together, have fun, grow your life and make your heart sing. Let's be real. Come on, let's light our fires. Let's light our fires.